Hello and welcome to the Fit Leaders Podcast, the podcast for leaders seeking sustainable success. I'm your host, David Chinsky, founder of the Institute for Leadership Fitness and creator of Fit Leaders Academy. Join me as we explore how fit leaders enjoy vibrant lives marked by personal health and sustained contributions. In this podcast, The Attention Keeper, I'm going to talk about how to go about managing distractions. As it turns out, our attention is quite fragile. Sometimes we're biting off more than we can chew. Sometimes our lack of organization has us searching for items on our desk or in our office. And because of all of the devices that we've become so tethered to, we often are not giving people the attention that they deserve. Relationships with people at home, relationships with members of our family, our friends, our colleagues at work, and people notice this lack of attention. We're going to cover two general areas in this podcast. The first is a quick review of eight demons of distraction. This is a term that my friend and colleague, Dr. Jerry Markle, gave to some of the more common distractions that beset us. In fact, Jerry's written a wonderful book called The Eight Demons of Distraction. And then once I review those, I'm going to present an attention checklist that I believe you'll find helpful as you work to manage all of those distractions in your own life. So let's start by taking a quick look at Dr. Markle's eight demons of distraction. She's actually given a name to each of these distractions. The first one is called the technology demon. And this is simply all of the devices that we might be using inappropriately during meetings or conversations conversations with others. While we're presumably paying attention when we're in a meeting, when we're on the phone, perhaps participating in a Zoom or other web-based meeting, and we're texting or checking our emails, this is a distraction that is driven by all of the technology that we call on during the rest of the day to be effective and efficient. Although if we're allowing ourselves to constantly be distracted at times where our focus is really needed elsewhere, elsewhere, our productivity is going to suffer. It's very common to see others who are in a relationship, let's say at a restaurant, a couple having dinner together, and instead of having a conversation with one another, both of them have their phones out and they're essentially engrossed by what they're reading on their devices. This is unfortunately a sign of our times. And one of the things for us to be aware of because it's almost a habit when it comes to checking our phones for messages. It's actually not uncommon to check your phone for a message or a text and then within 10, 15, 20 seconds, picking up your phone again. This just shows how addicted we've become to this technology. So that's the first demon of distraction, the technology demon. The second demon is called the others demon. And this is where we can't get our work done because people are interrupting us. So we are allowing people to interrupt us. They're coming by, knocking on our door, looking into our cube. When we're focused on something else and our natural tendency is just to look up and say, sure, what do you need? When often the need to speak with us at that very moment is very low. 
And yet we ascribe more urgency to most of the requests that we get from others, even though they would be fine waiting. So if we were to just simply ask them how important it is that we discuss this right now, we might indicate that we're working on an important project, that we're really interested in hearing what they have to say, and we want to devote sufficient attention to that conversation. They would likely say, oh, I don't need to speak with you right now. I was just in the neighborhood. And that's often what happens. It's convenient for the other person to stop by when they stop by, even though it might not be a good time for us. Now, the best way to avoid the distraction, of course, is to have some visual sign that we're not to be interrupted, either a closed door if you have an office door or some sign that indicates to people that you're working on something. Now, we can't close our door and be unavailable all the time, although we also don't need to be available 24-7 unless we happen to be in a job that does require that. And most of our jobs, quite frankly, do not. So choosing to have some times during the day where you're focused on those activities that really require that dedication of your attention and where it's very destructive to be interrupted. You essentially have to stop what you're doing. You engage in that new conversation. And then it's very hard sometimes to get back into what we were doing. There's always a reinvestment of focus and and attention. It's not a seamless transition once we're interrupted. So that's the other's demon. The third demon is called the activities demon. And this is where we're trying to do too many things at once. And so here's where we risk having slippage, where things are falling through the cracks. So just being aware that we do have a capacity when it comes to the number of activities and tasks that that we can engage in. The fourth demon is the spaces demon. And this is a term that Dr. Marco used to describe having too much noise in our environment. So think about having an office that was right next to an airport where you were constantly hearing the blare of jet engines. Now, sometimes it's something as simple as someone listening to music in the office or perhaps having a conversation right outside your queue. So finding ways to remove some of those distractions is going to make us perform at a much higher level and it's certainly going to increase our productivity because we're not going to constantly be interrupted by some of that noise. The next demon is called the stress demon, and this is where you have a sense of overload, where there's just too many problems and too many pressures that is simply stressing us out. The next demon is the fatigue demon, and this is where we're just not well rested. We're overtired. Maybe we didn't get a good night's sleep. And so it's very hard to focus. So if we're not getting the sleep that we need, we're likely to pay the price later in the week, the very next day perhaps, and that's going to result in us not necessarily being able to provide the required attention for an important project. Then there's the medication illness demon. So sometimes people will come to work under the influence of a drug, of a prescription drug. Let's take the example of someone with allergies. And if someone is coming to work after having taken a 
a prescription drug to control their allergies, and it's the type of drug that is not the non-drowsy version, then there's a good chance that that person is going to be tired and sleepy and might even fall asleep at work. It's certainly not a, a situation where we want someone to be managing something that requires close attention. If someone is in the healthcare profession, if someone's flying an airplane, for example, you depend on those people having the attention necessary to do the things that they need to, to maintain the quality of of care, if it's a healthcare provider, or your pilot, if he or she is driving or piloting your plane. The last of the eight demons of distraction is the unruly mind demon. And this is where you just can't seem to shut down. Your mind is is racing and you're just unable to focus. So I think Jerry does a really fine job of categorizing the various demons of distraction. And when you think about these, whether it's the technology demon, the others demon, where people are interrupting you, the activities demon, where you're doing too many things at once, the spaces demon where you're exposed to distractions in your environment, usually some type of of noise, the stress demon, the fatigue demon, the medication illness demon, or the unruly mind demon. If you were to think of these eight demons and you were to check off how many of these you are succumbing to during the day, if you say that you've got three or four of these going on in your life, there's a good chance that this distraction may be hindering your performance. So I'd like to offer an attention checklist to you that provides some strategies for managing and and overcoming this set of distractions. The first is having well-defined goals that are written down. So if we want to pay attention to what's most important, one of the best ways to do that is to ensure that we know clearly what we're trying to accomplish. And it's not just having goals in our head. It's very specifically having written goals. There's a, a very famous study that was done many years ago at Yale University in the United States. They took one of the graduating classes in the 1940s and followed them for about 45 years. They asked the same questions every year of the study. One of the questions was, do you set annual goals? The second related question was, do you write those goals down every year consistently? Well, after 45 years of asking these same questions of this graduating class, one of the interesting observations was that only 3% of the respondents said that they wrote their goals down. Only 3% actually took the time every year to document their goals. What the study also found is that those 3% of the people who wrote their goals down every year had amassed 97% of the wealth of that class. Now, wealth is not the only barometer of success, although if you are a graduate of Yale University, it's probably an important one. What this tells us, though, is that when we write our goals down and presumably visit them from time to time, whether it's weekly or, or monthly, there's a lot more energy and a lot more attention placed 
on setting those goals. So think about this very useful and proven practice for success. If you're really looking to pay attention to the important activities for you each year, write them down. I I write my goals down every year, usually around November, December for the year that's just about to start. And I put them in a binder. I've got multiple tabs. I have goals around my business. How many new clients do I want to be working with? And and who are some of those clients? What are my financial goals? What are my health goals? What are my relationship goals? What are my spiritual goals? What new services, what new programs do I want to roll out? So you can see that there's a lot of detail that is possible. And the more specific we are and the more we can actually document this specificity, the more likely we're actually going to succeed. In fact, I find that doing this every year creates the opportunity to achieve my goal often much sooner than the end of the year. Another item on my attention checklist is chunking bigger activities into smaller tasks. So sometimes a task can be so overwhelming that we avoid it. We we don't know how to start it. It just is too big. And we keep looking to, to do other things. And as a result, we never achieve this large task. If instead we break it down into some smaller, more manageable, more doable activities, then it's a lot easier to get our arms around those pieces. And before you know it, we've accomplished the whole large activity, the whole large project. Just ask yourself, what's the first step that I could take? And then once you've done that, ask yourself, what's the next step I can take? And that is going to be a lot less overwhelming and it's going to be a lot easier to keep our attention on that task. Another important item on the checklist is being aware of our biorhythms. Now, a biorhythm is simply our body signaling what time of the day we are best suited for different activities. So the best way to describe this is some of us are morning people, some of us are evening people, night owls. Some of us do our best thinking, our best writing, our best creative work in the morning. And for others, it's in the afternoon. For others, it's in the evening. So if we are aware of our own unique biorhythm, to the extent that we can, we have an opportunity to schedule the activities on our calendar so that they align with the times where we are going to be best suited, where we're going to be able to pay the most attention to those activities. So for me, I'm a morning person. If I want to do writing, if I want to do thinking, if I don't do it in the first three, four hours of my day, I'm not going to be as productive if I tackle that kind of an activity later in the morning or in the afternoon. So I'll usually schedule some other activities in the afternoon that don't require the same attention as my writing. For you, it might be the exact opposite. So it doesn't matter when you do it, as long as you're not fighting your natural tendencies to do certain things more effectively at different times of the day. The next item on the checklist is simply removing distractions in your environment. And we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the the demon of having too much noise around you. So 
asking someone perhaps to turn down the radio or turn the radio off, or maybe it's you simply coming to work with headphones. So I know that not everyone has the opportunity to play music at work, although in many environments this is acceptable. And so if it is, and you're finding that you're distracted by someone else's music, look for opportunities to either prevent you from hearing it or perhaps ask someone to not play it during certain times of the day perhaps where you do need that additional focus or simply to to turn it down. Something else that I do routinely is something that I call calendarizing. So if I want to make sure that I'm paying attention to what's most important each week, I take the time to plan and prepare for when I'm going to do what in the following week. And so if I'm clear about when I'm going to do what, and I've made provision on my calendar to do those tasks, it's going to be a lot easier for me to actually bring that attention and focus to those activities. It's going to be harder for me to say, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to do that right now. I'm not sure I feel like doing that right now. If I've put it on my calendar and if I've been able to put tasks on my calendar in a way that match up with my biorhythm, then when I get to those tasks on my calendar, I should be able to proceed without easily being distracted. Something that helps me maintain attention, particularly when I'm sitting in front of my computer monitor for any length of time, is listening to music myself. Some people don't find music relaxing. Some people actually find it distracting. If I I'm doing a lot of computer work, a lot of screen work, I find that the rhythm of the music allows me to maintain attention for a greater period of time. Something about the rhythm of that music allows me to stay in the flow of what I'm doing. Another practice that I learned many, many years ago when I worked at Ford Motor Company was not to have a cluttered desk. So when I left work each day, I had to completely clear my desk of everything. So any papers I was working with, I had to put in my drawer. I had to file it away so that when I came into work the next morning, there was nothing on my desk. And that next morning, I would pull out what I needed for my work that day or my work that morning. And this was a practice that I have found very, very useful throughout my career Because if we have a messy desk, we're likely to be looking at all of the items on our desk thinking, I'm overwhelmed. I've got all these things I have to do. And so while we're trying to focus on one project, out of the corner of our eye, we're seeing all this other paperwork, all these other piles. And we're thinking, when am I going to get all of this done? So if we can organize our desk, we're likely to be able to manage the workload much more effectively without being overwhelmed with the thought that we're never going to get everything attended to. So even though there are people that will tell me, you know, David, I know exactly where everything is. While that might be true, there's still going to be some lost productivity, lifting papers, looking for that post-it note, looking for those working papers that are, are not where they might be in a folder or file somewhere in a desk drawer. So it really does 
paid to try to unclutter your desk and your office so that it's not constantly suggesting that you're out of control or that you have way too much to do. So when we do this, it obviously doesn't take any of our work away. We still have the same amount of work. It just seems less overwhelming when it's organized. The other thing that I started doing over a decade ago is turning off the email notifications that arrive either audibly with a ping or some kind of a, an alarm or that little envelope that appears in the lower right-hand corner of your computer monitor whenever you get an incoming email. This is probably one of the biggest distractions we have in our modern world. And I think it was a great idea when it was first introduced and yet most of us, when we lose our attention because now our eyes are moved automatically to that little envelope, we have just left the task that we were working on. And I don't know about you, although I would say that over 90% of the time that I used to look at those emails or the summary of the email in the lower right-hand corner of my screen, I really didn't need to attend to it at that time. And it might even be 95% of the time. And yet that notification is designed to grab your attention. It's very, very effective at doing just that. So if we're constantly moving our attention from what we're doing to glancing at this email and it's not important, it's not necessary, then we are using up valuable time throughout the day because each time we do lose attention and we look at that little envelope, those seconds add up to minutes and hours and days and weeks and months over the course of our career. It's going to always be more efficient for us to choose some times during during the day where we do look at our emails so that we don't feel like we constantly have to be looking at every email the second it comes in. I often ask my classes what they do when their U.S. mail arrives. I usually say, what time do you, do you know that your U.S. mail arrives at home? And for some people, it's 11 in the morning. Some people, it's, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Some people get a late delivery, maybe three, four in the afternoon. And so I'm always curious whether people leave work immediately to go home to get the mail out of their mailbox at home when it when it arrives. And obviously the answer is no, they don't. When they get home, they empty their mailbox and they look at what they need to attend to. Now, obviously mail at home and email are not exactly the same. When we go through our mail at home, a lot of it is junk. Some of it's bills that we have to pay. And emails obviously can be important. Although I think that if someone really needs needs our attention, there's a better way to get it than sending us an email. They can call us, they can track us down, they can come find us or have someone find us. It's not a very efficient way to run an organization when there's an expectation that people need to look at emails immediately when they come in. And and that sometimes is, is the expectation we feel because someone will send us an email and then a minute later they'll call us and say, hey, did you get my email? Or a few minutes later, they'll come down to our office and say, hey, did you get my email? So 
yes, I did get your email and I haven't seen it yet because I'm working on a project and I'll read your email and I will get back to you on a timely basis. If you really need something urgently, then please don't rely on email. Come see me, come find me. And if it isn't urgent, then I invite you to send your email whenever you want to send it and just know that I will get to it. So email cultures in organizations have gotten a bit out of control. And my coaching to you is to figure out how responsive you need to be. So if you're in a customer service role, then you're obviously going to need to check your email a lot more frequently. If you're not in a customer service role, there's a good chance that you can get away with looking at your emails maybe two, three, four times a day and not lose any productivity, still be responsive to people. And one last thing I'll say about this is sometimes we set the expectations that we're always going to be looking at incoming emails. So if your boss or a colleague sends you an email on a Saturday at two in the afternoon and you open it up and you respond immediately, what is the expectation you've just sent? Well, if I were your boss, the expectation that that I would have seen you set is that you're always available. If I email you on a Saturday at two, you'll respond. So the next time I send you an email at two on a Saturday or some evening and you don't respond, then I'm going to wonder what's going on. Why, why haven't I gotten a response? So we had to be careful not to set those expectations. And just because the boss sent an email at 2 p.m. on a Saturday doesn't mean he or she expects a response that weekend. I will often send emails at various times in the evening or sometimes on the weekend because I might be spending an hour or two doing some work. I don't have any expectations expectation that the person receiving that email is going to respond immediately. It's just convenient for me to send it at that time. So whatever you can do to manage your incoming, your emails, and come up with a more rational approach. There's another podcast in this series called The Vanishing To-Do List, which also might be helpful in, in providing you with how I approach my email inbox throughout the day. I encourage you to pick one or more of these items on my attention checklist and see how they work to support you in managing your distractions and and keeping your attention. One of the things we know is that the greatest gift that we can give anyone is the purity of our attention. We've we've kind of gotten to a point where people are so used to not being listened to that we've actually compromised some of our relationships, both at home and at work. So I really encourage you to be aware of how fragile our attention is. Know that all of us are impacted by one or more of these eight demons of distraction that I summarized for you. And think about strategies that you might adopt to keep your attention. If you'd like to learn more about how to become a fit leader and manage your vitality and your attention, I invite you to visit fitleadersacademy.com. That's fitleadersacademy.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.